have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. It's time to get inside the Giants' home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's roll. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Little Podcast, brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York football Giants. My name is John Schmelk. Today, we're going to talk to Paul Kaharski, who has been covering the Tennessee Titans for a very long time. You can find his work at paulkaharski.com. You can find him on Twitter at paulkaharskinfl. And the reason we want to talk to Paul today, we've had him on before. He's been part of our mock drafts um, in the spring when the Titans are picking around the Giants, which they are again this year, by the way. So we'll hear from Paul again later on um, in the spring. The Giants have brought in a lot of former coaches that were with the Tennessee Titans. So we thought it would be a good idea to get a feel for what those coaches bring to the table. Paul, it's good to talk to you, man. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you as well here. So let's start here. Give me your overarching 20,000-foot view. We'll start with Giants' new defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, and what his defense was in Tennessee. Um, You know, I think Shane Bowen, uh, when the Titans were at their best and had their best talent, um, was a pretty good coordinator. Um, though, you know, everything with, uh, Mike Vrabel's defensive staff comes couched with the fact that Mike Vrabel was a, uh, a strong head coach, um, a hands-on head coach and came from the defensive side of the ball. Obviously I do think, um, after some <clears throat> initial bobbles where maybe he was uh, too hands-on, which led to the departure of his original defensive coordinator, I, I think Dean Pease, who he played for, in new england um that that uh and and then the transition year where um he didn't have a defensive coordinator by title but shane bowen was was kind of uh acting in that regard um that that he kind of clarified promoted shane gave him the title took him off of outside linebackers and uh it got out of his way more um and i think you know the titans like most teams uh with with most coaches got um good work uh and had reasonable success when they had good talent um you know in the last year and a half they did not have good good talent um and so i think uh, shane went as as the talent went and when i'm talking about bad talent i'm i'm talking about r- really significantly bad talent i mean they had some really big misses in the draft um, Caleb Farley, a number one uh, first round draft pick um, who, you know, when he got healthy, ha- had major injury issues. And when he was healthy, was playing special teams, uh, was so far down in the dumps. So you take 
what should have been, you know, a, the, their number one cornerback. And he's so far out of the mix that he, he's not even playing defense. This last year, he didn't play at all. Um, it was on PUP the whole season with the back injury. And, you know, everybody moves up a slot and and you're not very good. Yeah, look, Paul, it's funny. The The second note for what I wanted to touch with you on is how much control did Vrabel have? The set, the third one was talent on defense. So you've hit both of those already. So yeah. let me try to dig in a little bit more on the Vrabel thing. How much of this defense do you think is Bowen philosophy? How much is Vrabel philosophy? Might we see some different things now that he's away from Vrabel with the Giants based on what Bowen's background was before he became defensive coordinator in Tennessee? What's your feel for that? Well, I think they're of the same philosophy, right? Um, Bowen was was uh, originally the outside linebackers coach, came to be on uh, Vrabel's initial staff when Vrabel got the job. They had worked together in Houston, so they were both part of the Texan staff, which is where Vrabel was hired from. So, uh, you know, obviously you're bringing a guy in like that that, that you know you're going to uh, – the assistant coach is going to automatically, uh, you know, be seeing things largely the same way the head coach does. And then there's going to be some, some back and forth. Well, what about this? How about that? You know, and, and they kind of shape, shape things together. Not so much when he's outside linebacker coach, certainly he's um, influenced with that position and a little bit in the big defensive picture. But then as he moves up to, to defensive coordinator and gain some independence, um, but certainly the, you know, and, and Vrabel was big always on saying, you know, it's, it's about the players, not, not about the coaches. And so I think the talent dictated things. I, I, you know, Mike Vrabel's known now as a, as a, you know, old school run the ball coach, but he did say early in the season, you know, I, I got here and I inherited Derrick Henry. Yeah. So I, I, I used my best player. Uh, which would have been foolish not to to kind of build things around him defensively. Um, you know, they they built things in a way where they were at their best, where they could rush with the front four and not help blitz-wise and then cover with numbers. Um, and when they were at their best, when they played their best, that's that's what they were able to do this last season. Jeffrey Simmons, obviously their their best defensive player as Kevin Byard kind of tailed off and then got traded. Jeffrey Simmons, their best defensive player. Danico Autry, very good. Um, uh, Harold Landry coming off an ACL, but got back to himself. And then previously you'd seen Bud Dupree on the outside. You know, he was coming off an ACL. He he got better as, as time went. This year they signed Arden Key. So that's a pretty good front four. And when they could make things work with that front four, they played pretty good defense because they could mess around with numbers on the back end and make up for the deficiencies in talent back there. Um, and so that's kind of philosophically how, how they operated coverage multiplicity. Vrabel said back at his introductory press conference um, with consistent pressure from the front four. One thing you're not going to see, uh, I don't think from Shane Bowen is, is edge players who tear tear off and run past the quarterback ever. Vrabel and Bowen hate when a defensive player takes himself out of the play by running past the quarterback, no matter how threatening he might be, then they they feel like they've got 10 players defending and that guy's become useless. So it's a very disciplined rush mentality um, in terms of that. And sometimes with a mobile quarterback, 
they're going to have a very uh, disciplined rush where they may give up what appears to you and me and the people watching in the stadium and on TV opportunities to, to hit the quarterback in exchange for opportunities to corral the quarterback. If you, if you will, that's something they talked about a lot when they were playing those kind, those kind of quarterbacks. That great information. That kind of reminds me of the Patriots philosophy, right? Kind of more of those power straight ahead rushers, the mush rush to, to use lack of a better term, try to keep the quarterback um, in the pocket there. Great information. You mentioned the front, the run defense with Tennessee, obviously was a strength, one of the best in the league in 2022 and 2021 in terms of all the rankings. And what impressed me, Paul, taking a look at some of the advanced metrics, they did that without bringing the extra safety into the box. So they were able to be the, the, the top or second best rush defense in the league without dedicating that seventh or eighth player in there, depending on, you know, um, what type of personnel the offense has out there to win the numbers game. So what was it about the Titans and their ability to stop the run that really made them so good at that in 21 and 22? And obviously not as good as 23. You mentioned you lost David Long to the inside linebacker. I'm sure he had something to do with it. Um, what was it about the way they they structured their defense that, that made them so good against the run? Well, Autry and Simmons key all of that. Simmons, uh, you know, commands double teams pretty regularly. It's not quite lived up. Uh, and certainly the last two years he's dealt with uh, with injuries. So two years ago, I think he only missed one game, but he had an ankle that was a burden. Um, this year he had a knee and uh, that was a problem. And then once they were eliminated from the playoffs, they, he, 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 they didn't force it with him. He probably could have come back if, if uh, things were more more important, if you will. Um, but he, he's uh, an excellent run defender. Um, Autry's a, a, a great, uh, great guy against the run. Um, the, the one safety who, who is generally uh, involved, Amani Hooker, is, is a very good run defender. Um, their inside linebackers, which were weakness this year, um, Aziz Al-Shair signed from San Francisco to kind of replace David Long. They generally play, the Titans have, with smaller, uh, faster inside linebackers as their as their key guy. They had a chain. Avery Williamson um, went uh, went from Avery Williamson to, I might miss somebody here, to, to Jayon Brown, to David Long, and then Monty Rice was supposed to be the next one, and Monty Rice flamed out and was, was cut during the season this year, so they kind of dropped off. But they were pretty good at finding middle round. Rice was a third rounder who was cost them too much. Fast guys who could cover ground and could cover, um, but need to be clean in order to run defense. So those big guys in front of them could keep them clean and they could get to the ball carrier. But if they had to take on a blocker and shed, not as good. And that's the case with Al Shair, who signed for a year. I expect he'll be back. They need somebody uh, next to that guy who could be more effective. So I don't, I, I think that was by philosophical design. Um, but also uh, those are easier players maybe to find in the, in this day and age. Um, and so Shane may carry that with him there, depending on what, uh, what Brian wants and what the, what, you know, personnel wants and how all of that comes together. Um, but they also were very effective at, uh, Tier Tart was a big run stopping interior defensive lineman who's an undrafted rookie, uh, several years ago, this was his contract year. 
he played very well in that role. And this year things fell apart. He was obsessed with his contract, signed with Rosenhaus. It got really messy. Uh, he, he was sapping the locker room and Vrabel finally just cut him. Um, and he ended up with the, with the Texans and, uh, you know, maybe he'll have a future there. Maybe he'll still be, uh, I, I think he cost himself money, um, because he's now going to be known as a, a guy who couldn't just, you know, play it out. Um, but the Titans were good. They, they, they just kept finding defensive linemen. Uh, they weren't that good defending the run this year, like you said, but they could replenish defensive linemen. And I think Bowen certainly had something to do with that. They, I think they he's got a decent eye for defensive linemen, non, non-high-priced defensive linemen who could plug and play. Yeah, it sounds like Dex, between Dexter Lawrence and Bobby O'Karake, who was one of those smaller, fast linebackers who you're familiar with, obviously, being with the Colts. I feel like that's probably a, a, a pretty good fit for what Bowen wants to do. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? One more question about the fronts before we jump to the secondary. Rewatching a couple of your game, a uh, couple of the games uh, from the Titans late last year. I watched the Jaguar game and I watched the Seahawks game in December. I know technically a three-four teams are always in sub base defense. Who cares at this point? I saw a bunch of four-man fronts, and they have the ends out pretty wide, it looks like, really wide outside those offensive tackles and a lot of their formations. Is that part of their plan to kind of integrate some of that wide nine stuff to try to develop some of that pass rush You know, with just four guys to create those one-on-one opportunities? Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, ultimately, those outside linebacker edge guys are, are creeping forward. You see five-man um, also. Um, but, uh, I think too, there's some Jim Schwartz influence there. Jim Schwartz mm. was here for two years. He was recovering from some, some physical problems, uh, some health issues. And so Mike Vrabel, he was a Nashville guy, Schwartz and Mike Vrabel said, Hey, you know, why don't you come and, you know, contribute in ways that you can while you're, you're regaining your health. And so, um, he was, he was just kind of a, uh, senior defensive assistant, you know, one of those titles that nobody really knows what he's doing. And at practice, he just kind of uh, observe, you know, and nobody really knew what he was doing. So to, the, to this day, we don't know that much. And I, I, you know, from what I'm told and what I believe, I don't think he did a tremendous amount. He was a sounding board for, for Shane, but it just happened to coincide with when they got, when they got better people. Uh, it was the two years that Schwartz was here. So a lot of Titans fans think that, uh, you know, Shane was completely relying on Schwartz and that Schwartz was the difference maker. And I know Schwartz from, you know, Schwartz came up in the Titans system um, way back, back when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Javon and, Kirst uh, days, right? When he was right, lining him yeah. up outside. And and Javon Kirst was a wide nine guy. And Jim yeah. Washburn days, who was, uh, uh, you know, one of the two best position coaches the Titans have ever had, uh, uh, Jim Schwartz, who made – a lot of uh, defensive ends, a lot of money, um, starting with Javon Curse and um, and and uh, Mike Munchak being being the other one, obviously the Hall of Fame offensive lineman who you know got phenomenal offensive line play out of a lot of guys who weren't high draft picks, but Washburn and and Schwartz who became defensive coordinator after Greg Williams. They played that wide nine uh, a lot, which was never called wide nine here and became called wide nine when when uh, Washburn got to to uh, to Philadelphia. Philly, yeah. But um, 
so when Schwartz got here, the Titans did start doing more of that, taking guys out wider in the pass rush. And certainly it seemed like it was a, a Schwartz influenced thing um, that works for somebody like Harold Landry here, Danico Autry, who, you know, plays inside, you know, plays everywhere from defensive tackle to, to a wide edge player, Arden Key, Bud Dupree, um, all of these guys who've had uh, good success. The only guy who doesn't go out that wide of their good pass rushers, Jeffrey Simmons. All right, let, let's jump to the secondary. You mentioned, I think, something really interesting from Vrabel's initial press conference, multiplicity in coverages in the secondary, right? And I think you watch them. They try to show a lot of too high at you know at the snap on every play, and then you'll see them, all right, they'll drop down. One guy will drop down to cover three. You'll drop into cover one, or you'll stay too deep. I think they were top five in use of quarters coverage all three years. Bowen was defensive coordinator, though, so quarters is popular there. Your thoughts on on how that worked in the secondary, using those different coverages, was it effective? Because the one thing I did notice looking back, a lot of 20-plus yard pass plays over the last three years, which is sure something I, I know from looking at the internet, Titans fans certainly noticed over the years. They gave up a ton of, ton of big plays. Is there Achilles heel, really? And part of it is the, the the rush, you know, wasn't living up to its billing and getting there. And part of it's that 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 the corners just weren't good enough. Uh, Christian Fulton was a second round pick who's got an expiring contract now. You know, some some people are wondering if the new regime would give him a second chance. I think it'd be better for everybody, no matter who the coach is here, if he if he goes somewhere else. One of these guys that Vrabel along with David Long was hitting on just being a repeat offender with these soft tissue injuries, which, uh, you know, Titans have used ridiculously high number of players. I think 85 to 93 over the last three years uh, with, with just ridiculous amounts of injuries. Wow. And I'm with them that, that there's, you know, and they need to investigate this much further and they will now with the new regime. Um, some of it's just bad luck. I mean, they've got a, a a gunner going down the sideline, double teamed, and he ends up tearing an ACL. I don't know how your training staff prevents that. But others with uh, and, and Fulton right there with Long, who just pull hamstrings repeatedly. Now Long goes to Miami. He doesn't play 17 games, and it's not an issue, and everybody's wondering why why that is, including me. But Fulton, you know, repeated hamstring injuries. Um, and some games were just completely lost and beaten deep over and over. Then he settles down and plays okay for a couple of games. And then, you know, just completely unpredictable in, in terms of what you get from him. Sean Murphy Bunting was the other corner this year, a really great accountable guy, but very handsy gets called for a lot of penalties and, and got beat too much. Um, uh, Roger McCreary, a second round draft pick from a couple of years ago really got better this year. Chris Harris was the new cornerbacks coach. He's kind of in limbo right now. Don't know if they're keeping him or not because they've hired Steve Jackson, who's a DB coach as well. Um, but McCreary got a lot better. He he was not finding the ball as a rookie and uh, they moved him to nickel, strictly nickel, except when injuries forced him outside. He played much better. So they made gains there. They traded Kevin Byard during the year, whose game was starting to tail off uh, to the Eagles. 
but they're playing after, you know, after those three corners, they're playing guys that just are not guys you want on the field on, on a Sunday. And so I you would know say those issues are more personnel based than scheme. Yeah. I don't know what I you're getting you. out of an Eric Garrar and a Trey <laughs> Avery, I got uh, you. you know, nice gritty fighters, but you know, do you want them lined up? The other thing that the question under, under Shane and, and throughout Vrabel's term and Shane has said this multiple times we asked, you know, are your guys allowed to choose how how close they line up to the wide receiver? And he basically has repeatedly said, yeah, it's up to them. Mm. Well, Samari Rolls, my favorite cornerback in Titans history, and I talked to him about this repeatedly. And he said, if you're allowed to choose and you're playing far off, you're scared to get beat deep, period. I mean, that that's the only reason that you're not up and trying to affect the route early. Wow, so and they so, have the option of whether to press or play off, huh? That's interesting. Largely, yeah. Okay. And, and uh, you know, and I believe Samari Roll in, entirely. So to me, the Titans have corners consistently. They're afraid of getting beat deep. And uh, I, I think most corners, you know, to a degree, unless you're really good or have really good swagger or really good makeup speed, your number one thing is I don't want to get beat deep. All we hear about is these X plays that we're giving up. I don't want to give up an X point. But if that means that you're playing at eight yards on third and six, yeah. well, you know, you don't want to give up an X play, but you're giving up an easy first down too. So, you know, pick your poison. John Soto Podcast is brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the Giants. From game day to everyday, Citizens is made ready for Giants fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Here with Paul Kaharski. Paul, let's talk about third down. You mentioned it earlier. Not a big blitz team. They like to rush four and try to get home and, and flood the zones with coverage. But I did notice they stunt a lot on third downs. They run a lot of games up front, and they bring the slot corner a lot, use a lot of simulated blitzes, right? They'll show blitz one place, bring it another place, even if it's just four guys to kind of throw that off. What was your experience with how the Titans kind of tried to use pressure, blitzes, or simulated pressures and stunts in, in terms of getting home with those pass rushes on those key second and third and longs? Well, I think they just uh, try to mix it up, you know, and and be uh, unpredictable. I think that's pretty standard around the league, right? You sure. don't want anybody to be able to go to the line of scrimmage or to see your alignment and and have a good feel for what you're going to do so that you can convert. Um, they had one of the worst third down years in the history of the league. Uh, I'm not remembering which year it was, which was just atrociously bad. And they were giving up third and 14s and third and 18s during during that. I mean, it was just outrageous. Um, but, you know, they bounced back to play much better third down. And uh, if you're talking about Shane Bowen's defense, uh, you know, you have to talk about uh, – and Mike Vrabel's defense, you have to talk about red zone. Uh, I mean, the Titans' offense – Two years ago, averaged uh, with with Todd Downing as the offensive coordinator, averaged 17 points a game, which just doesn't cut it in the NFL at this stage. And and then with the new offensive coordinator this year and Tim Kelly, they averaged 17 points a game. And so the defense is put in a horrific spot. And and you know a lot of games they kept the Titans in it to a degree by forcing teams to kick field goals. Uh, and so those X plays, uh, which did calm down at, at, uh, to a degree, got teams inside the 20. But it was remarkable how often the field goal kicker ended up coming on 
and the, and the Titans in tight quarters played better. So part of that's the corners don't have to turn and run and chase people with the threat of, of covering that much more space. Um, but, you know, to me, that is a big way to judge a defense, you know, what you do down there and how often you can keep four points off the board. And, uh, you know, if you had to list the best things about the Titans defense over the last couple of years, uh, red zone defense is, is the, the forte probably of this team. They took great pride in it. They, they worked really hard on it in, uh, in training camp and, and they got really good results. So I think that's something Giants fans should, uh, should anticipate being good and uh, expect expect to be good and uh, and have questions about if it doesn't get good. Well, I got two more on the defense, and I want to ask you about uh, Tim Kelly, Ryan Cabin, and, and, and Zach Core, the other three guys that the, they've brought in over the years from the Titans staff. So let's do the two on the defense first. Um, takeaways. That's the one thing that I noticed maybe you didn't get a ton of with this Titans defense. It was just a matter of guys not making plays. To your point, the corners not being able to really locate the ball and make plays on it, or is this something more native to the scheme that they run. I mean, they preached it like crazy, you know, talk about them coming in bunches and all of that. They, they get one once in a while. They don't create anything on special teams either, uh, which has been a, a big area of contention to fire, finally fire the special teams coach during, during the season for a unit that was big underachieving. Um, but they preached it. I mean, they try to punch it out. I, I think the corners aren't facing the ball that that often, but I also think they're not that skilled. Right. Um, you know, Amani Hooker, who I mentioned earlier, is is a, a pretty good turnover guy. But you know, if I'm looking for names after that, sh- strip sacks. I, I, I think it's a little bit surprising that they don't haven't gotten more of them, considering the caliber of guys that they have chasing the quarterback, but. Um, you know, but Owen preached it over and over and over and it just it didn't happen for them. And I think it's a reflection of, uh, of their, their insufficiencies as a, as a unit to a, to a degree, you know, and they talked about that, like Simmons in particular, take it to the next level. We have to get, get the ball out more. It just didn't happen. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens. So go to that retreat. Knew you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? All right. uh, Last one on the defense real quick. You talked about customizing your defense to the players. That was something Mike Vrabel preached, which is not surprising. He comes from the Patriots. That's all they did in New England, right? They figured out what the players could do. They put them in the right spot. So how much week to week are we going to see with the Giants at the start of the season for one? For example, a guy like Deontay Banks playing more press man, that's what he's good at. Will they make those sorts of adjustments? And then number two, how much are going to see game plans from week to week customized to the opponent? You know, some defensive coordinators, we do what we do, we're going to do what we do, and the opponent will adjust to us. How much did Bowen really change what the Titans did week to week, depending on what the opponent did in customizing those game plans each week? Well, I think philosophically, you want to customize the game plan. I agree. But then, you know, what is the varying degree of, of your town? You know, you look at at the great Belichick defenses and customizing the game plans. Well, if you've got Harrison and Bruschi and, and Vrabel and Seymour, you know, you got you got customizable guys 
who can who can do different things. Ty Law and Darrell Rivas help with those sorts of things. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, are the, the, the Titans didn't have that. Are right. the Giants going to have that? You know, if you got one or two guys that can can be really versatile and you can change things up for them to make things a lot more difficult for the offense. I think certainly they'll try to do that, that Shane, Shane will try to do that, but uh, I, I'm not looking at the giants and imagining that they're going to have, you know, a, a wide array of defensive players in 2024 that allow for super customizable yeah. Uh, game plans. And so I do think, you know, there's a push and pull there. And if you do get good at one thing, uh, you know, you're probably going to rely on that one thing as much as you can. Then you have to look at the other team. Well, how good are they at against that one thing? And how much do we have to adjust accordingly? And then you get in the cat and mouse and or chicken and the egg and all that. You can make this a yes or no answer because I think you pretty much already answered it. Really good at developing defensive linemen, not so good at developing players in the back half and the secondary, correct? From a development standpoint defensively? Well, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I also think he had uh, probably better... Terrell Williams is a very good defensive line coach. Uh, that worked very well with these guys. He just went to Detroit now. And I think he had a knack for it. Um, Kerry Combs, who was their original um, secondary coach, corner corner coach anyway, um, had more of a knack for it. S since then, uh, they haven't lucked into into a corner that's taken off that way. So I, I think there's some okay. some some elements of luck to it uh, as well. Giants have brought in two assistants from Tennessee as well. Give us your takes on Tim Kelly and Zach Core. Um, who Tim Kelly coming separately on offense. You already mentioned him as the OC last year. And then Zach Kerr, who was the outside, uh, one of the defensive assistants with you guys and a linebackers coach, I believe, right? I really couldn't tell you anything about Zach Kerr because uh, the, the assistant coaches, the, assi the position coaches talk, right? Mm -hmm. But people behind the assistant coaches don't talk. Same so here. I totally get I've, it. I've seen him, you know, on the field working, but I've never spoken to him. Um uh how about Tom, tim kelly uh, sorry who was the other one kelly tim kelly, tim kelly yeah you know uh i i think showed some promise as the offensive coordinator this year some cleverness some um you know they lost their opener uh bad you know in an ugly ugly showing on a day that Tannehill was just really off in new orleans and he dialed up two plays in light of that that would have been absolutely perfect and, uh, you know, Tannehill overthrew one of them and somebody dropped the other one and, and they were two touchdowns and the Titans lost like 16, 15, you know, and everybody came out of it questioning the offense. And I said, well, you know, if they executed the two plays that he dialed up in light of them having nothing and being entirely flat, they would have won the game by conceivably by two touchdowns. So, um, I think he was really limited by what they had, um, Though, you know, he was better than Todd Downing, which isn't saying much. I don't know that he would have been Arthur Smith. Um, Likeable guy, said some things at the podium that made you scratch your head. I think he'll do a, a, a you know, I think he could be a good tight ends coach for for sure. All right, final um, question. I, I have a quick, quick funny story about that. Yeah, I, please. I got, I got totally, totally um, 
duped a shameful, shameful moment when they signed DeAndre Hopkins. And uh, I got what I was certain was a, uh, a lock of a phone number for DeAndre Hopkins. And um, so I had a text exchange with who I thought was DeAndre Hopkins. But he he said he was busy with family stuff and couldn't talk on the phone. So I, I should have done nothing with it. But he gave me this <laughs> innocuous quote about Tim Kelly. You know, so he was getting reunited with Tim Kelly, who he worked with in Houston. And um, he, but he said, I call him Pretty Boy Kelly. That's my nickname for Tim Kelly. And so I tweeted this innocuous quote from DeAndre Hopkins, uh, in which he said that he called Tim Kelly, pretty boy, Kelly. I'm, I'm taking my kid, my 13 year old son to a baseball tournament in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And I get a DM from Deandre Hopkins with a copy of the text. And he says, what's this? We didn't talk. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I like pull over to the side of the road and I, DM him the number and I'm like, is this not your number? And he said, hasn't been for several years. Oh no. Oh dear God. <laughs> so in, in the meantime, I had texted Tim Kelly and told him DeAndre Hopkins says he calls you pretty boy Kelly. And he's like, I, I don't know what that's about, but it's pretty funny and whatever. So then I go through this whole thing where I'm DMing with DeAndre Hopkins and I'm telling him what happened and he's being cool about it asking me just to take it down and he'll talk to me. And I'm at my kid's tournament trying like hell to get him to talk to me or whatever. Ultimately he puts me in touch with his people. His people tell me, yeah, he'll talk to you at the press conference on Wednesday. And so I've got to write a post saying I got duped by uh, DeAndre uh, Hopkins uh, pretender, which made me look like an idiot, but made fun. And, and the thing is, I really hit it off with DeAndre Hopkins. I had a great, great year with DeAndre Hopkins. And he, I think, respected, you know, that as a starting point and everything. So I just wrote Tim Kelly a card that I sent to the Giants uh, and, you know, addressed it to, uh, not not on the envelope, but in the card. I said, Tim slash pretty boy, you know, thanks for. Oh, that's great. I love me. it. Um, Paul, I know we're a little over. Can I ask you one more question? You're good? Sure. Okay, Ryan Cowden. He's been here now for a couple of years as kind of an assistant to the GM type of role. Um, he had a lot of time there down in Tennessee. Got a lot of GM interviews. In fact, the interview for the GM spot here for the Giants when they hired Joe Shane. Uh, your thoughts on kind of how, what his football philosophy is and how he might be advising some of the Giants in, in some of the big decisions they make over the next couple of years. Yeah, I don't know about his philosophy. I, I would think that he's... Uh... Part of the reason that these guys are getting hired up there, uh, he certainly uh, they wouldn't be getting hired up there. I don't think if he uh, wasn't wasn't vouching for for Shane Bowen and and Tim Kelly and Zach Kerr. Um, I think he's a good guy. Uh, had a good reputation. Vrabel uh, liked him a great deal, uh, which was interesting to me. In that uh, the word is that Vrabel he was Vrabel's preferred candidate for the GM job here. Now, Monty Ossonfort disappeared in a hurry because he got the Arizona GM job. But, um, and Monty Ossonfort, I guess, was more of a John Robinson guy um, from their time together with the Patriots. Um, but there were, there were two options here uh, in-house that were connected to the previous regime. And the Titans obviously went a different direction with Rand Carthon. 
Um, but you hear um, good things about Ryan Cowden. I, I he he was a background guy here who uh, you know didn't didn't want to uh, to talk much, but was a perfectly friendly guy, a nice guy, and uh, was was well liked among the people that um, interacted with him the most. But I, I can't offer you much more than that. Giant fans love a winner. It's why they love Citizens. They named a 2022 Best Bank in the U.S. by The Banker as the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the huddle. Citizens is made ready for fans of Big Blue. Learn more at citizensbank.com. Paul, tell the folks where they can find all your great work and anything else you want them to know about. Yeah, paulkuharsky.com. It's K-U-H-A-R-S-K-Y. And my Twitter handle, uh, what is my Twitter handle? Paul Kuharsky NFL is what you told me at the start of the show. Yeah, I blanked out. Paul Kuharsky NFL. <laughs> Just, uh, I had a blank there confusing it with my email address. So that, uh, that tells yeah. you how good I am. Don't uh, give that one Chase, out. <laughs> Chase at Coaching News uh, has a way of frying frying the brain. Hopefully Brian Callahan will have his staff together pretty soon and uh, get to meet some of them at, uh, at the Combine coming up. Um, so I'm from New Jersey, South River, if that means anything to nice. anybody. I went to, went to Rutgers Prep. So uh, and my mom lives in, in Jackson. My brother lives in Princeton Junction. So uh, I still make way up there, go to Avon by the sea, every chance I get. By the way, and I should ask you, Giant fans would be interested before we say goodbye. What are the Titans doing in the draft? Because they're picking right by the Giants and Giant fans, I think you're curious. Is, is it offensive tackle or bust here for you guys? It, it is from my perspective, but I could see a scenario where they take a wide receiver or even Bowers. That, boy, so it sounds like the Titans and the Giants have very similar draft wish lists based on what we know down here. Paul, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for the time, and, and we'll talk to you again soon. Good luck this offseason and get some rest. Take care. Thanks. That's the John Settle Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug right, needed. Let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 